Hello everyone, this is GB Takung with Daddy Knows Death Episode 1. Um, I don't actually know how this series is going to go because uh, this is just a discussion of death, all things surrounding death, the occult, esoteric, and then just my commentary on uh, life in general because the understanding of death is the understanding of life, you know, like life is death, death is life, you know, etc. So um, this is going to just be a whole lot of my opinion. Well, I mean, my, uh, uh, my opinion. Look, I, I like to think I don't have opinions and I only have facts. So, I mean, you know, I've, uh, I don't know. I only have facts. So e e either way, either way, this, this whole series will be about giving people uh you know, the information mostly about death and in the knowledge of death, we're going to understand what life is. And uh, this episode is titled, you know, in the beginning, this is just just give up. Give up, give in. I mean, look. What I really want to start off with is, the, is where a lot of people who are dealing with depression and um you know, feelings of like there's a weight on their shoulders that they just can't get it off. You know, like every single day is a hard fought battle. You know, sometimes you just don't know how you're going to make it, when, if you're going to make it. And uh, I have to tell those people, well, you know, that's bullshit. Okay. And I'm not here to be like some Tony Robbins, Gary V, uh, just inspire you to go out there and work until you die. You know, no, 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 no. This is about dying. So what you need to understand is if it's ever too rough for you, just give up. You know, you can always hit your eject button. Nobody is stopping you from doing that. Life is a fight. And you don't have to let God determine how you're going to live your life. And that's one of the biggest lessons that I'm trying to teach here is that at the end of the day, the one that they call God, the king upon the throne of all heaven and the universe, is your greatest enemy. God will put you in a terrible family, give you terrible friends, take an arm, a leg from you, put you in an accident. God will, God will toy with you. He'll let you win the, win the lottery, and then a couple years later, you're broke. He'll let you be broke your whole life and then finally get rich in your 70s. You know, and, you know, he'll let you be rich your whole life, but never have a friend, never have a loved one you can trust. You know, God, you know, God, <laughs> what, 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 what's the saying? They, they, they be like, uh, God works in mysterious ways, man. Fuck that nigga, God. God damn it. Fuck God. Like, for real. Like, you're going to have to understand that your death is your finish line. Your death is your championship. Your death is your trophy. Like, you get to keep it and no one else. No one even has to hand it to you. It's yours and yours alone. That's the brilliance about dying. That's the brilliance about life, that this is yours and yours alone, everything. The entire universe, whatever you want, you can have it. Are you willing to take it? Are you willing to fight for it? Are you willing to die for it? 
these are the real questions that we have to ask ourselves. Because personally, I'm bored. I'm bored. I've been bored with life for uh, about 10 years now. And it's, it's because, you know, it's just, uh, I don't, well, I don't struggle. I don't worry. I don't uh, work. I don't, you know, I devote my entire life to science, knowledge, and information because that is ultimately the only thing to do in this world is learn. And what you're going to learn at the end of the day, after all the bills are paid, and after all the money is gathered, and after all the trips are made, and after all the clothes are worn, and after all the cars are driven, what did you learn? After all the lovers that came in and out of your life, what did you learn? Who did you become? What kind of power do you have now that you lived a life so full of suffering? Hmm? What good is all that suffering if you don't build yourself up with it? So the biggest weights to lift are always the mental weights. The, the mental weights, the difficulties, the obstacles, the struggles, and the stress. This is God fighting you. I believe that this is how it's written in the scripture. What was it? Uh, David? Is it, is it David? You know, do I want to say David? Is that the one who fought the angel? In, in editing, I might have to look that up, uh, who it is. But I think it's David? Fucking David? Anyways, he fought an angel all night. And then in the dawn, the angel gave him the gift and... Uh, this is the reality of what you have to understand life is. It's a metaphor for life. It's that during the night, while you are blind, while you open your eyes into this world under the sun and you believe in these things around you, you believe in your home, your job, your car, you believe in your family, you believe in these, you know, the things you collect, your knickknacks, your clothes. All of these, all of these beliefs, all of these things you're taking for granted while you're in the dark. You're fighting the angel. You're fighting God. And only in the morning when you succeed and the fight is over with, who have you grown into? Is the real question. So this is what we're going to answer in Daddy Knows Death. This is episode one. Give up and give in. Uh, my name is G.B. Takung. I'm an author, uh, a scientist, a philosopher, an eschatologist, and an ontologist. I have devoted my life towards knowledge, science, technology, the realms of philosophy, thought, and, you know, just psychology, you know, that whole realm. But uh, psychology itself gets kind of, uh, psychology gets a little bit, you know, funky. Psychology gets funky because what psychologists want to tell you is like you're going to walk into a clinical psychologist's office. You're going to tell her your whole life story. You know, you're going to you're going to tell that stupid bitch everything that you ever did that you were embarrassed about as if somehow she's your guide and can judge you. And she's going to give you a prescription of pills to help you balance out. They say just to, you know, change your expectations of the world like what it really does is because like I had a psychologist put me on Ativan for a while right so personally me being on Ativan and it's like well 
you know, I didn't I didn't like how Ativan made me feel, but you know, because it kind of just left me at neutral constantly. You know, I can never get an emotional peak in my life because um, I guess my psychologist, you know, just told me like I was just too like outrageous or just too like blah, just too blah. And so I needed to chill the fuck out. So she gave me drugs. And, uh, you know, I mean, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, kids. Um, Daddy is a really big proponent of drugs. OK, if if you need to use drugs in your life, use drugs. You know, life life sucks. OK, life is shitty. People suck. People are shitty, okay? They are going to let you down. They're going to get in your way. They're going to want things from you. They're going to bother you. They're going to love you. They're going to touch you. All of this gross, disgusting shit. And you can love life, okay? But love yourself more. So love yourself enough to know that if uh, life really isn't working out for you, turn to drugs, okay? Use drugs. Please. Uh, you know, doctors will give you drugs, psychologists will give you drugs. It's just natural in human life to use drugs, whatever you want to call it. Some people don't take pills, but they eat all day. Some people don't take pills and they don't eat all day, but they're in the gym eight hours. Like, look, let's redefine drug, okay? Let's, you know, because the chemical, um, the chemical additives that you could be prescribed by a doctor are not the only thing that a drug is. So, how to, def- how to redefine a drug? Well, you know, a drug, you know, because your mind can get attached and obsessed over anything. You know, a drug could be pornography. It could be alcohol. It could be uh, steroids. It could be exercising. It could be, uh, you know, thrills. It could be sex. And... You can obsess about anything and you can train your mind to whenever you're doing, you know, like, let's say, you know, your drug is skiing. You know, some people like to ski. And, and no, I, I don't I don't I don't mean uh, cocaine. I don't mean white powder. OK, I mean, like literally skiing for all, for all you naughty kids out there. Uh, you know, daddy is talking about skiing uh, actual slopes. In the wintertime, you know, maybe you like to do that because you love the thrill, you know, you love the way it makes it feel, you know, you love the, the clothing, the atmosphere, the culture, you know, you can obsess over anything, good or bad, it doesn't really matter. So what you're doing is that you're training your mind, you're training your mind to get addicted, okay, you can train your mind to get addicted to life, and this is, and these addictions, uh, we call these addictions, well, we call them addictions, but we here, uh, you know, Daddy G.B. Takong, the writer of Only the Strong Can Love, calls addictions curses because curses are rhythms and patterns that you put yourself into, your mind, body, and soul. You give your energy into these curses, and these curses control you more than you control them. So... Uh, let us understand that addiction is a curse, first and foremost. It is, you know, but there are curses that you keep and curses that you don't keep. All right, so let's go back to skiing. We're in the Alps, we're skiing, we're addicted to it, you know. What have we done? We have trained our mind and body 
to receive positive chemical responses created by our brain whenever we do this activity. First, we introduce ourselves to it. Then we make it a part of our life. Then we find friends who also like to ski and ski resorts and clubs, you know, just to make it a lifestyle. And then fourth and finally, you become addicted. And now it's just a part of you. And this can be anything. This could be writing. For me, it's learning. Learning is my drug knowledge. I'm, I'm absolutely, for all the drugs I do, knowledge is the biggest one. And, you know, and I'm, and I'm personally addicted to it and, and learning everything possible. So not only that, it thrills me to not only to learn, but also to teach. So uh, at the end of the day, I'm saying that academia is a competitive realm because you have to learn every day, you have to teach every day, every single day, all 24 hours, all life. It's endless. Learning, living, and teaching each other. So, <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. But, but, but yeah, you know, just addicted to knowledge, you can get addicted to skiing, you can get addicted to, to the other kind of skiing, you can get addicted to weed, you can get addicted to alcohol. Like, these addictions are curses, and the way you put yourself under a curse is that you train your mind to receive positive feedback during certain actions and patterns that you establish in your life, okay? So, everything you do can bring you positive reactions or negative reactions. This is how your ego works. Because there are, there are three people running up in your head. And I'm sorry if this doesn't chain together well. This is just daddy knows death, so he's just talking off the top of his head. You know, these are freestyles. You know, other videos will be a bit more structured, or, or maybe they won't. I, I mean, this is the key. You have to understand that everything is everything. So knowledge is knowledge is knowledge. And when I teach you the knowledge of skiing can become an addiction, you need to understand that this also relates to the actual addictions that drug abusers have in their life. And why, you know, and not only that, it also relates to any depression, stresses, those who may be having suicidal thoughts. Uh, those who may be thinking of harming themselves, those who feel like, you know, they're in a very tight spot and they can't get out. This is what I'm hoping that you'll understand. Your perspective and your world is everything because you own it. And even though you may be under a series of curses, you may be going through patterns in your life, actions in your life that are bringing you negative responses. This is when, you know, we feel depression. This is when we feel stress. This is when we feel, you know, just sad in general. What I'm teaching you is that you can control this. You can control that ego. You can control your expectations. You can control the way you see the world, okay? Because your ego is something that, that blinds you instead of enlightens you. Your ego can enlighten you, but not if you don't bring it under control. 
And in Daddy Knows Death, we're teaching death in order for people to have ultimate control of, their, of themselves and their life. So you should always be focused on yourself, your whereabouts, and your purpose in that position you are in. You know, and this, this continues even on into the afterlife, you're going to realize. So <clears throat> your ego is something that blinds you. Like I said, there are three people running around in everybody's head. There's your masculine half, there's your feminine half, and then there's your ego. All right, your masculine half is the left brain. Left brain thinking, mathematics, you know, rulers, straight lines, um, you know, uh, physical, you know, you know, uh, orientation, things like that. Like uh, everything that has to do with the physical, the, the cube in the sphere is the masculine half, the left half of your brain. OK, the sphere itself, the feminine, this is your imagination your creativity, your drawing, your art, your random ideas, your feelings, your emotions. This, these, <clears throat> these are in the feminine right half of your brain. Okay. Your ego, uh, psychologist, neuroscientist psychology or is it just neuroscience i believe neuroscience says that a good deal of your personality comes from your frontal cortex so we'll just say that the ego is the frontal cortex so you have the front the left and the right and this is your masculine your feminine and your ego okay so your masculine of course you know it thinks in certain ways that are more mathematical practical and logical your feminine, of course, it thinks in ways that are more emotional, creative, and having to do with the imagination. All right, but your ego, this is what, you know, discerns certain values to certain thoughts that your masculine and feminine have create. Because your ego may put more value in the logic, in the mathematic, in the, you know, person who works with their hands type of thing you know, your ego will put more value in that than it would your creative, emotional imagina imagination. And so usually for men, their ego puts more value in the left half of their brain. And for women, the ego puts more values in the right half of their brain. You need to control all three of these people in your head because this is how, you know, you become depressed. Events and situations that happen to you in your life, your ego is going to, well, first off, your left and your right half of brain are going to have two reactions to the same event. So you could be looking at one stone, one rock in front of you, but the left half of your brain considers it in one way and the right half of your brain considers it in another way. What your ego is doing because it values certain things more from certain halves of the brain, your ego is, you know, deciding, deciding like, okay, we're going to take this from the right, but more of this from the left. And that's how we're going to feel about this rock or, or whatever you're looking at. That's how we're going to feel about this event. That's how we're going to perceive this event. And then this is how it's going to affect us. And then your brain creates chemicals like 
dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, epinephrine, a list of chemicals that design your emotions and the chemical feedback. See, your brain is on the ultimate drugs because your brain creates the ultimate drugs. You know, pain relief, melanin, epinephrine, hormones. Your brain has the most control over this. So the reality is, is that what you have to understand that you are you and you are not you at the same time, meaning that you can take control of yourself, compose yourself, and even put yourself away and remove your ego. So that way, nothing feels any one certain way to you at all. So that way, nothing affects you. That way, nothing means anything to you. You throw it all away. Just give up. Throw it all away because what you're going to realize is that everything goes through cycle. Nothing ends. You've never completely missed your opportunity. You've never missed your chance. You can always change. You can always do something new. You can always experience a new life. Are you willing to throw away your old life? Are you willing to throw away your old perceptions? Are you willing to take control of your ego? Take control of your masculine thinking? Take control of your feminine thinking? Take control of how you perceive certain objects, people, events, places? Because it's, n it's not just about um, putting rainbows and flowers on everything to feel good about it. You can feel pretty shitty about it. You can just straight up be angry and outraged at it. This is all okay. What you have to understand is this can be your reaction and you can train yourself to create a different reaction in time. It's never too late to retrain your mind and this is how you grow. This is how you become a master of death. In, you know, for me personally, it was the experience of dying that allowed me to be able to start to look at myself outside of myself. I, God damn it, I just spilled some water on my fucking, uh, okay, okay. That bunned me out. I'm just going to sit here and drink this water. While I process that emotion. Oh. I spilled water on my hoodie, on my nice hoodie. Anyways. Uh. Okay. See, it, it's just like that. Certain things happen. It may kill your fucking mood. You need to really give yourself the time in order to just say, uh, you know what? Let me just revel in this emotion right quick. And, okay, fuck it, it's over with, and move past it. Uh, this is life, you know, this is just the, the way things go. And so what you realize is that even death is the same way, that when you die, it's just, uh, it, it, you know, it's a little bit of emotion. Maybe you're being stabbed up, ah, I'm being stabbed, ah, you know, it's like, ah, you know, it'll be over with soon enough. You know, you'll pass through it, and then you're dead, and then you're in the afterlife, so... <laughs> You know, maybe you're being shot up, like, just, <laughs> just being riddled with bullets, just being riddled with bullets, like, oh, damn, this is, this is quite unfortunate, I need to, oh, man, I uh, hope this is a quick death, oh, shit. <laughs>
<laughs> oh man, maybe you're being sawn to pieces. <laughs> maybe you've been kidnapped and are being cut to pieces. That would be horrible. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like you be, you've been kidnapped and now you're being hacked up. Oh shit! Oh man! Oh man! Uh, that would really test you, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, somebody's torturing you. Anyway, 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 anyway. anyway. Oh man! Oh shit! God, I lost my place. Uh, I never had a place to begin with. Oh, man. All right. Back to being serious. No, man. No, man. It's like, this, like, 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 what if somebody's torturing you? You know, what if you've been kidnapped and somebody's hacking you piece by piece, like literally removing you segment by segment, you know, bone by bone? It, I mean, it, you... <laughs> You're going to need a pretty good outlook in order to be like, oh, man, this is kind of unfortunate. I hope I die quickly. You don't mind uh, at least, you know, knocking me out, you know, giving me some drugs. I mean, you can, I mean, I'm I'm fucked up here, dog. You can go ahead and take all the bones you want, but, uh, I mean, shit, man. <laughs> Work with me here. <laughs> like, this isn't fun. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> let me get a phone call or something, like, shit man like take me to dinner first like bro like we can we can we can do the hacking up all right man but but fuck give me a good chance in this shit <laughs> you know you know uh, you know that's life that that's that's basically the negotiation that you have to do with god every single day you know this is this is a real god this is a god that constructed the universe you know because you opened your eyes and then you saw the world was already here so who the fuck what was the originator of anything you know, and don't give me that fucking Big Bang shit. The Big Bang is in... Look, man, the Big Bang, man. Look, dog, if you want to talk science, you want to talk to me about science, we can talk science, bro. I'm, I'm welcome to all challengers. I am the smartest man who ever lived. Want to talk to me about science, let's just go ahead and uh, 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 fucking debunk that Big Bang shit. Right? Fucking now. We're going to debunk... Two fucking things to let you know that daddy is the best in this fucking game called academics. And two, uh, I am the best educator that ever lived. And three, you need to get a hold of your own goddamn life and perceptions right fucking now. Because you've been living on nothing but lies and borrowed time. Alright? So, so, so this is where daddy gets serious right now, okay? So the Big Bang never fucking happened. Okay, the Big Bang never fucking happened and definitely didn't happen the way that you think it did. This is where we have to go back to the goddamn scripture. So open your Bibles. Open your Bibles to page fuck one. To page the fucking one. One. Genesis 1, 1. And you'll see that it said that God created the world, you know, and said, let there be light in the world. Darkness. What you have to do is you have to continue reading your scripture, and this is where you read On the Origin of the World, a part of the Nag Hammadi Library. Uh, I'll leave links and descriptions to the books and audio books to all, everything I'm talking about, in, you know, uh, below, description, YouTube video, I guess, wh wh whatever, I'm, you know, it's going to be a while to edit this, so, okay. So, read On the Origin of the World, read the Trimorphic Protonoia, Protonoia, Trimorphic Protonoia, 
read the hypostasis of the archons. This is how the universe was constructed. The universe was constructed. You know, uh, it wasn't Big Bang and then some random particles kept smashing together and formed a planet and we're just zipping through space on some zippity-doo-dah. We don't even know where the fuck we're going. If we're just zipping through space on some rando shit, you know, if dinosaurs really uh, uh, died out because a meteor hit the Earth 65 million years ago, you know, wouldn't we be due for another meteor? Wouldn't we? Wouldn't we have hit something? Wouldn't we have run into something? Wouldn't we? I mean, this is space we're talking about. Wouldn't we have gone through a super mad, you know, you know, radioactive or ra- super hot, super cold sector of space? Like, this is this is absolute random number theory happening in space when they're talking about the Big Bang. They're just saying that anything goes, the Big Bang. Okay, this is what scientists are really talking about when they're talking about the Big Bang. They're saying that. Space, heaven, what they're looking at through these telescopes, they want to they want to use the left half of their brain because these are scientists and their egos are all about the numbers they can crunch. So they want to use their left half of the brain and they want to measure the universe. They want to measure the distance. They want to see how big everything is. They want to take a ruler and number numerically, mark down every little thing in the universe. They will fail. Because that's a foolish endeavor. And so science has realized how much of a foolish endeavor it is. And they've gone into quantum theory where they say, well, the universe is just, you know, randomic random. It can just, anything can happen. Even human life can just pop up on Earth out the blue. And it's like, what kind of fucking sense does that make? Now you're just throwing, you know, caution to the wind and just saying, oh, anything can, what the fuck? That's not, that's not a scientific theory. Oh my God! Don't even get me started about quantum mechanics, bro. We can we can sit here and have these conversations. You know, it it's better uh, when uh, in the in the future I'm going to be hosting lives or you know what in the comments just leave a question and I'll create an answer for another episode of Daddy Knows Death. A- any question I can answer and uh, in the future I'll probably just be going live on YouTube to uh, to answer people's questions. You know, because uh, I am the number one top educator that ever fucking was. So here, here we go. The earth was constructed. Okay. This leads back to the reality of what you need to understand. That we are going to debunk. First off, the Big Bang was never real. Let's debunk another thing that modern science wants to tell you is real. Um, how about the moon landing? Okay. Since I already said that space is fake. Uh, space is not fake, that is not space, that is heaven, and in actuality, heaven is hell, because, uh, the earth is heaven, and the, the up, the heaven that you're looking up at is actually below you, the earth is not flat, it's upside down, this we're gonna go into, uh, in deeper episodes, later episodes of Daddy Knows Death, let's go ahead and debunk this moon landing, let's just, um, uh, 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 let's, let's bring up, let's bring up the trusty, dusty computer, uh, and, and let's, and let's, and let's do something called debunk the fucking moon landing for all the children out there. Daddy knows everything. All right. Let's, let's power, let's power up the computer. Let's, let's, let's get our calculators and we're, we're, we're going to debunk the moon landing. We're going to use a simple fifth grade physics book 
our eyes and ears and Google. And we're going to debunk the moon landing. Okay, first off, let's understand the moon landing. When did they land on the moon? Let's ask Google. When did they? When? When did they land on the moon? On the moon. The moon. The first time. On the first time. Apollo 11 astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin stepped onto the lunar surface July 20th, 1969. Okay. So, they landed on the moon. They went to the moon. Came back and had an interview about it. Two American astronauts landed on the moon. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. It was the Apollo 11 mission. They came back and gave everybody interviews to tell you, like, hey, we was on the fucking moon, guys. Same day. So, on July 20th, they went up to the moon, came back, told you about it. Okay, um, how far is the moon from Earth? All you have to do is ask questions, okay? This is how you prevent yourself from being... Uh, so mind controlled you know this is the whole purpose of daddy knows death is in order to give you ultimate mental acuity and control of your mind in all situations at all times so can let's continue how far is the moon from earth ah 238,900 miles okay that is how far the moon is from earth beautiful so we're going to round that up to 240,000. Is that okay, kids? Let's, let's say the moon and Earth, M and E, has a distance between it of 240,000 miles. Okay. Let's ask another question. What is the escape velocity? What is the escape velocity of Earth? Velocity of Earth. It says 6.9. We'll round that up to 7 miles per second. So in order to leave Earth's atmosphere entirely, you must at least be going at 7 miles per second. Escape velocity. Okay. MPS. Miles per second. Miles per second. 7 miles per second to leave the planet. Cool. All right. So that means they were going 7 miles per second, and then they traveled a distance of 240,000 miles. Let's go ahead and divide 240,000. 40, 1, 2, 3, you know, three zeros, divided by 7. Divided by Sharing. Oh my goodness, I can't find the fucking slash key. Oh, it's right here. Uh, uh, divided by seven. 240,000. Right. That is 34,285. Okay, we did that in order to find how many seconds would it take to get to the moon traveling at escape velocity in order to leave the planet. It says 34,285. Uh, we're going to divide that by 60, divided by 60 in order to get minutes, which is 571 minutes, divided by 60 again 
in order to get hours, nine hours, 9.5238 hours. We're going to just leave that at 9.5238. Um, so it, at traveling at escape velocity, you have to go about nine, nine and a half hours to reach the moon. Okay, this is where I, well, you know what? Let me not say I debunk it because I want to believe NASA. I want to believe those geniuses over at NASA. I believe that there are some wonderful scientists who have done some fantastic work. I just need more information because my next question is, how is a human being able to survive what is essentially, well, seven miles per second, that seven times 60 is uh, what, 420 uh, for, for, you know, miles per minute um, times 60 again is, uh, let's just do seven, multiply by 60. Oh my God, I can't, I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe I'm doing math like this. This is, this is horrible. This is horrible. Oh my goodness. I actually just don't have a calculator. That's the weird part about it. I should just, why don't I just have a calculator ready at, you know, at hand? 420. <laughs> All right, times 60. You know, 420 times 60 in order to get per hour, you know, seven miles per second. So that way it's easier to understand. 25,000 miles per hour, 25,200. That's seven miles per second. It's 25,200 miles per hour. Uh, huh? You know, astronauts are able to survive that level of G-force. Were they moving that fast on July 20th, 1969? So it took them 10 hours to reach the moon. Okay, so it, if it takes them 10 hours to reach the moon and 10 hours to get back, assuming that they're traveling at the exact same speed to return to Earth, you know, did they return at the exact same speed to Earth? That's another question. But assuming that they did return to, at the exact same speed to Earth, that's about nine and a half hours there, nine and a half hours back. How much time did they spend on the moon? One, two hours? Like, we're, we're cutting it really close to 24 hours. But here's the key. They didn't come back the next day. They came back the same day. They came back the same day and were interviewed about what was their experience on the moon. Nixon called them on the phone while they were on the moon. Those boys came back home in time for dinner, is what I'm saying. So now, NASA, I need way more information. I need way more information about how fast did they actually leave the planet going? Was it just seven miles per second? Nine and a half hours to the moon? How much time you spent on the moon? You know, okay, how fast did you come back? You know, and then you were still able to give these boys a haircut and get them fresh and ready for interviews the same day. Nixon called them on a landline phone to the moon. Okay, NASA, I want to believe you. I want to believe you, but I'm not getting enough information. I'm not getting enough information. Okay, so I, I you know, so I'm stuck questioning the situation. So if you're able to make a phone call to the moon, why can't I phone call the Mars rover? You know, like you've launched a Mars rover, you've launched a Voyager. NASA me, tells me that they have sent so many things into the upper, upper realms of heaven. Literally space. However, they're giving me all of these nice and beautiful telescopic images of galaxies and 
you know, what quasars, not quasars, quasars, yeah, quasars are in space, quasars and black holes, yeah, yeah, they, 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 uh, uh, image graphed a fucking black hole in NASA, you know, brilliant work, brilliant, brilliant, bravo, bravo, okay, cool, so you can see a black hole light years away, even other planets light years away, Hey, can you point the telescope at Voyager 1 for me? The Voyager 1 is the, uh, is the, is the motherfucking, uh, satellite that they launched back in the 70s, you know, when they thought that they were going into space, when they kept the lie going that they went into space, they launched a fucking satellite out there, you know, on some, uh, maybe, uh, an alien civilization will find it. Ain't no fucking aliens, NASA, what the fuck? Anyways... So they kept that lie going. This is, this is what I'm saying. So NASA can use their telescopes to find a galaxy, a planet, millions of light years away. But you can't point your telescope at the Voyager. Where'd you send Voyager? Why, why can't I get pictures of Voyager? You know, and every so often you just get like these artists rendering drawings from NASA, you know, that claims to be, oh, this is Voyager passing by NASA or passing by Pluto. And it's like, look, man, I'm not, there's not enough clarity into this organization for me to start believing that this is actual science that you guys are doing and are propagating in the field of education and academia. You are lying to the people. You are lying to everybody out here. And I'm not the one to be fooled because you just can't mind control me with these lies. Because first off, you're going to have to assume a whole lot of things to just be able to believe that people landed on the moon. And, and, and even by following their own metrics, even by following what, what they have to tell you, it, you you're, it's left with so many holes in the story, you, you may as well start believing the conspiracy theorists. You know, so so here's the reality. You can't accept any information. You can't reject any information. So it's all just information. So you have to put it in um, in its own proper context. See, your left and your right brain will always see things differently. Will always see it two different ways. Your ego will design the value system that tells you to listen to your right or your left brain. I'm saying once you keep, get your ego under control, you're the one that can consider both sides of, you know, the information that your brains are telling you. And then you, without the interference of your ego, can decide, oh, this is what I choose to believe. This is what I choose to put value in. This is what I choose to put stock in. This is the truth to me. So this is so this is adulthood. Like this is how this is how you really like you know become an adult when you're not even under the control of yourself. Where you can control yourself entirely, you make all the decisions within your life. You decide when you live and die. So once you've mastered that whole realm of the self, your environment, and even your death then you'll be able to ascend to level two and then you'll be able to understand, well, what is the world around me? So this is what the questions that we're going to continue to be answering on Daddy Knows Death. So um, the common information that you've been given that 
that you have been basing your entire life history, structure of society, uh, beliefs of, of relationships between men and women, expectations, everything has been a lie. 100% from the very beginning. We're going to go through this, you know, an episode by episode by episode. I really don't know how often these episodes are going to come out. And basically, it's like, it's, it's going to come down to how much energy do I want to put into editing? Can I find a cool editor or not? And then, uh, 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 how, how, how often do I feel like fucking talking <laughs> at the end of the day? So, so we're going, you know, the point is to help people, all people, any people, but especially my niggas, cause God, God damn it, man! Look, look the 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 way. Oh my God! Especially my niggas, not because not because niggas are especially fucked up. Here's how it goes, right? Niggas will always be the last to know, but white people will never get it. Like you know, and and that's like. Uh, there's no there's no two ways to explain that. You know, uh, there's there's uh I will go into this deeper. Okay, but it, it turn it, it it'll be it'll it, it'll work out like this, right? You know, the apocalypse could be happening, and niggas in the hood will still just be shooting craps, you know, having a wonderful, you know, dandy ass time in the hood, uh, up until the very last moment when they're like, "Oh shit, it's an apocalypse! What? 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 You know?" And then niggas will be like, "Hey man, YB just dropped. What? YB just dropped? Hey man, let me hear that new YB. Let me hear that new little baby." You know, they still, they'll still be like, oh, wait, right, the apocalypse, right, 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 right. You know, they'll still want to party, you know, even up to the very last moment. And the, but the crazy thing is, though, white people will see the apocalypse coming and it'll be happening and they'll be panicking, but they don't know why. They'll never get it. They'll never get exactly why it's all going to come crumbling on them. But, but niggas will be the last to, to know. So it's a weird trade-off. It's a weird trade-off for how society goes. And, you know, don't give me that, oh, Americans are uh, only think that everything is black and white bullshit. It's like, look, I'm an American. I am black. I do speak from a black perspective. And, yes, I can put myself outside of my ego and understand that Americans always think that everything is black and white. But let's be real here. Other countries that are outside of America, look, they're far too controlled by old money powers to really say that uh, they're on the game board, changing things for the better of the world. You know, all the major changes that happen for the world happen here in America and it happened between white and black people. Like, let's just, you know, we're not gonna sit here and lie. We're not gonna sit here and, you know, uh, hide the truth from what it was. It's like, you know, you can roll your eyes and be like, oh man, GB talking, you, you know, you. You're a nigga, so you think that everything is about black people. Oh, man. Look, dog. Like, the conversation has almost always been about black people from day one. Like, what the hell? Like, Egypt, no, no, not Egypt, but Europe forgets that it went through a whole period of time called Egyptomania for 400 straight years where all of Europe was literally uh, so enthralled with Egypt and everything Egyptian that they kept digging up grave after grave after grave, like, 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 come on, man, we're not just, we're not gonna fucking lie here, okay, look, man, if it weren't for the civil rights movement, you, you know that guy, Martin Luther King, that dead dude, that, the guy they murdered, you <laughs> remember him, you know, if it weren't for the civil rights movement, 
most of you in your third world countries wouldn't even have ramps to get into your schools. Most of you in your third world countries wouldn't, wouldn't, even, wouldn't even have the ability to protest the way you're protesting now, okay? Like, what the fuck are we... No. No, 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 no. I understand it's a, I have a very biased perspective being a black man in America. However, there is a reality of the last 500 years of history, last 1,000 years of history, you know, maybe even 2,000 or more. There is a reality that we have to talk about. You know what? I'm going to end on this because, um, yeah, I'm going to end on this. It's nearly an hour. So I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and put it all down here. Okay. Look, man. Um, this is the conversation that solves race. Okay, this is going to solve the race issue. I already have the answers for you. You know, daddy, dad, daddy knows what he's doing. All right? Children, give me my credit. Daddy knows what he's doing. He, you know, he didn't die for no reason. He didn't die and come back for no reason. You know, daddy knows what he's doing, all right? GB Taka, how do you solve racism? Well, you solve it like this, little bitch. <laughs> you, so- you solve it like this. <laughs> uh, are you black? Uh, yeah, GB Taka, how did you know? Huh? Huh, huh. I got love for my sisters. I always know who my sisters are. Th- this is what you do. You go up to a white person you, and, you tell, and you ask them, you know, three, three simple questions. You say, <clears throat> can we agree that for the last, you know, for as long as we've known modern history, that there has always been an attack or at least a mistreatment of darker skinned people? Can we agree that throughout history that there's been mistreatment and attacks on darker skinned people? You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just a measly little white person. What do I know? But uh, you know, I guess so. Like, I, I, I guess, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, and then you, you go to the next question. You're like, can we agree that because of this historical mistreatment of darker skinned people, that there are some uh, legacy? You know, uh, how, how do we call it? Some legacy idiosyncrasies in society, you know, uh, business, education. Can we say that there are some biases left over from the mistreatment of darker skinned people throughout history, throughout the world? Oh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you, I mean, I, I mean, I guess, you know, if you if you want to if you want to say that, you know, there may be some biases, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a couple, maybe just a couple, you know, just a couple biases that are left behind in society. OK, just a couple. So finally, we can agree that we want equality between all people, no matter the way they they've been born. And the way that they look like, and that there sh- that everybody should be treated equally, despite their race. And you know, white people be like, "Well, yeah, of course." You know, Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King Jr. I love Martin Luther King. I mean, that's my nigga, Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, if you're gonna just say Martin Luther King Jr. rap, I know Martin Luther King Jr.'s raps. You know, I memorize raps. So, so then. You know, this is where white people are going to hit a, fuck, a brick fucking wall. And uh, this, is, this, is, this is why the race issue can't be solved. And this is why, uh, uh, you know, you, you can either only solve it with this right here.
Because after white people answer those three simple questions, then you're going to have to say, well, then how come you don't treat everybody equally, fairly? And why have you continued to use these legacy systems that mistreat darker skinned people? And, you know, this is what this is what's going to stump, you know, white people. And then then this is what they're going to say. This is what they're going to say. I know exactly what you're going to say. But 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 everybody mistreats everybody. Everybody's been racist. You know, well, you know, I mean, not everybody's just specifically enslaved one type of person, you know, in order to build their nation. And then white people are going to be like, no, no, no. No, everybody's built their country on on slavery. You know, slavery, you know, it happens all over the world, you know, and it's, you know, it's not even white people that started it. It was Arabs. You know, we got the idea from Arabs, you know, and, you know, so, you know, white people are going to try to weasel the way out of it. But the conversation is really this, you know, uh, if everybody in the world went blind today, all the black people would know who the black people are and who the white people are. But all the white people would not know who anybody is if everyone in the world went blind right now. And this is a reality is that somebody in this room is different from the others. And in the global perspective of, you know, of race, if you want to play the race game, the minority-majority game, you know, white is a very small minority of the global population of the majority of black. And, and... Look, man, this is why I don't want to get into no race issues until I'm actually talking with somebody who knows their shit. Because like I said, these are the three questions that you, you know, that you're going to ask all white people. And this is the brick wall they're going to head into because they, um, what, what, what we're going to talk about further in other episodes on my show, um, they're going to be, there's going to be the priest of the princes coming out and then maybe just another podcast um, and so it's going to be a breakdown of this is why white people don't get it, because even white people are put in a position that they don't completely understand. You know, even so, they've been able to build Western society into what it is today. There is still this element of the unknown, the the glitch in the matrix that they built within their society and they don't get what that is. Uh. Well, of course I know what that is, you know. I, I wouldn't be GB Takung if I did, you know. Come on now, I'm not just going to say it and not tell you if what it is. But that's for the next episode because um, I'm done on this episode? Episode? Podcast? Shitty? Talk? On a YouTube video? Uh... Anyways, I'm GB Takung. Please purchase your own copy of Only the Strong Can Love. The link will be in the bio. Is it a bio or is it a description? It's a description. The link is in the description. Um, Look, I'm a nigga who's talking about facts, so ain't nobody going to want to advertise with me. I'm a nigga who's talking about fucking facts, okay? So please help me out by liking, sharing, subscribing. I have a Patreon where um, I teach the God Slayer Fist on my Patreon. Like, my Patreon is going to be about training sorcerers who want to be sorcerers for sorcery's sake. 
But also, my Patreon, if you just feel like supporting me, and please, help me out. Support me to grow this to be a bigger channel and a better production. So that way I can give you a better education than anything that you've ever received on this planet. So please, help me out. Uh, uh, I'm going to leave a cash app in the description. I have an Instagram and a Twitter. I have a Patreon. Please like and subscribe. Thank you. Oh, oh, and I have a and and I, and I and and I have a I have a PayPal. You know, I have I have a PayPal. Those things exist. I'll leave all of this in the description. This is GB Takung with Daddy Knows Death. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you guys, you deserve it all and even more. You deserve it all and even more. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Help me so I can help you. So I can help us. <laughs> uh, everything is in the description. I just hope you enjoyed it. More episodes are coming soon. Thanks.